Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. It's our favorite time of the year here at The Black Effect. We're heading to Atlanta for the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival, and we're not going alone. Nissan is back as our partner, and they're continuing their Pitch Your Podcast Lounge at the festival, where you'll have the opportunity to pitch your podcast idea live and share it with the Black Effect team. So get those podcast ideas ready. And remember, you can count on Nissan to dial up the thrill in your adventures, no matter where life takes you. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to Checking In with Michelle Williams, a production of iHeartRadio and The Black Effect. Hey, hey, y'all. It's Michelle Williams. Y'all are checking in with me. I'm excited again about today's episode. My friend, King J. Barnett, is awesome. Yes, I had to say his name right away. Um, Jay is awesome. He's a former professional football player turned marriage and family therapist who is helping people to become their best selves. And he's also a life coach. He's a speaker as well as an author of multiple best-selling books. Please welcome to my podcast, Jay Barnett. Y'all, I have been away from recording um, podcasts, but I knew that when I came back that I was going to have to come hard and come with some amazing people. And so, like I said on the previous podcast, I was like, listen, I knew I was thinking, well, I'm filming a movie, but I'm still going to be able to do some podcasts on the side. That did not happen with my schedule, but thank y'all for y'all's patience. But like I said, I was not going to come back uh, to check in with y'all with um, just anybody. I have someone that I have been following for a while who is absolutely phenomenal, um, blazing trails as it relates to healing, healing within the family and with our men and our young boys. I want you guys to check in, give a warm welcome to author, PhD student, marriage and family therapist. He goes by King J. Barnett. Don't get it twisted, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but please welcome one of my favorite humans, J. Barnett. Oh, oh, thank you, Michelle. That is, uh, wow, that's humbling. Right. Because um, if someone says that you're one of their favorite humans, that speaks volumes about, you know, uh, 
your donation, uh, speak, you know, volumes about what you offer to life. And so mm-hmm. that's humbling. And thank you for that. And, um, and as I'm not just a fan and a friend, but just a supporter and, uh, uh, and just humble to share the platform with you as you've been so open and transparent about your journey. And I resonate with that because I think the more people are able to see us and mm. in our, in our fullness, right? People oftentimes people see us in parts, but I think when people are able to see us within the fullness of who we are as human beings, that yeah. allows people to yeah. connect beyond what we do, but connect in in just who we are. So thank you. Oh, uh, you are no thank first. I don't do I say you are welcome? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. Thank you again um, for your time and. We do know the holiday season is upon us. Um, you've got so many great things going on. It's I want to stick to my rundown. Y'all, I kind of um, was upset with Jay. Um, like I said, he is one of my favorite humans. And um, I was very upset with him. This is his first time hearing me say that I was upset with him over Thanksgiving. Um, I was um, turkey-less. I was collard green-less, macaroni and cheese-less. Dressingless, cranberry sauceless, sweet potato, sweet potato pieless, in Vancouver, and there was no empathy. Um, there was no nothing <laughs> from him, and 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 when you you heal what you're able to reveal. So I'm revealing um, that I was upset with him for not being kind. He was just throwing it in my face about what he was about to eat for Thanksgiving. What do you have to say for yourself, sir? So, I'm going to validate. Don't therapize me. Do not therapize me. I'm going to validate you, Michelle. I'm going to validate you in your feelings. However, um, I did not intend to insult you or make you feel that you were being left out. And make you feel that <laughs> you can't have laugh because, and apologize. <laughs> I know, I know, and, and and listen from the bottom of my heart. I'm sorry, charging to my head because in my heart I would want you to have experienced macaroni and cheese dressing and all the other fixing uh, during the Thanksgiving. So, and and I felt your pain through the message. He was like, "Oh, really? This is how you gonna do me?" So, and I felt bad, you know. But then I'm just like, man, she's in Vancouver. She's filming. And Vancouver is a beautiful city. So I it feel is, like, and and, and I'm, I want to be honest, I, I kind of felt some type of way that you were in Vancouver. Like, I love Vancouver. So Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. You should have come and visit us. They would have yeah. loved you, loved to have you on set. Yeah. Play, so now that we've got that out the way, I pray that you all seriously heard what it's like to apologize to someone now really was just playing but when he when he started saying hey compassion and listening i'm so sorry let me validate that's really 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 what healing can be yeah um that's what healing really looks like. That's what it feels like. Cause I had questions. Well, what does healing look like? What does it feel like? What does healing look like in families? And like you just said, the first thing you said, y'all, we this was started off as a joke. 
Yeah. But for him to say, I validate. Because there are sometimes somebody will tell you something that you did to them. And they're like, man, you tripping. You just always sensitive. You just always blah, 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 blah. But you were like, no. <laughs> now, I'm 42. Now, should I be mad that I didn't have turkey for Thanksgiving? Probably not. <laughs> right. But for someone, and you were probably thinking that, like, I know, is she really? Because that's what nah. I was thinking sometimes. Like, I know this dude ain't serious. Okay, but let me validate what he's saying. Let me yeah. let him know because what is petty to you maybe really, really, really is a real issue. Right, um, for other people. Um, I want to just share a little bit of your journey um, as far as, if I'm not mistaken, a broken home, not seeing healing in Black men, what it's like to um, overcome problems and obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, you go through high school, college, you're drafted to the NFL. You transition out of that. I don't know the timing of when you were hopeless and felt like life was over and that mm-hmm. you yourself wanted to end your own life. Was that as a result of transitioning out of the NFL or was it during yeah, yeah. or before? Well, it was after. So okay. uh, it's just a minor correction. So I was a free agent, so I didn't get drafted. Okay. And uh, and so I think that played a great deal into it because I remember draft day. Uh, I remember... I remember my friend's names being called on the stream and I just remember just feeling so heartbroken because, mm-hmm. you know, we, it, it, and there was no comparison of the effort and the work that we've done. But I think as, as a young man during that time, it was also wondering, will my work be rewarded? And I think that's usually the struggle that we have as men. Uh, and you see this a lot with men who quote unquote feels that, good guys finish last because you look at the stat sheet and and it says well okay you've done this check you've done that check uh you're a stand-up guy check you are you know a god-fearing man check you're not perfect but you're working toward you know being a better person each day check however uh you, you, you you don't have this angry or this assertive characteristic that this woman is looking for uh, because you're simply just a, a, a guy who just kind of, you know, you kind of live within peace. And then there's this thought in your mind like, wow, I did everything that they asked of me and it didn't work out in my favor. Mm. And so, and I've shared that to kind of create an alignment to okay. the same as if this man who has done everything right uh, to fit the mold or the model that they said you need to fit in order to uh, have the woman or to be received mm. as the man you are, but then you're not was the same as for me that I was in shape, I worked out, you know, I had a great college career, but then again, it's like, oh, not today, oh, you're, you're, you're good, but uh, just not good enough for what we need. And, okay. and it wasn't necessarily that I couldn't play football, but I didn't fit the system that the teams were, were looking at during that time. And so I went on this journey. You know, I was a journeyman. So I bounced yeah. around, you know, a few teams. I, I bounced around in the Arena League and, you know, I did the uh, CFL. So I did all this different stuff. And then I finally came to uh, this, you know, 
this conclusion that, man, maybe it's, it's football is just not for me. And I think I was, at the time I was like maybe 24, 25 years old because I entered the draft when I was 22. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, you, you're in your early 20s and, and you're just trying to figure out where you go from there. And football was everything that I've come to know. But the difference for me was football was really how I cope with my issues. It was how I cope with my daddy issues. It was how I cope with my parents. Issues. And I hid behind this coping mechanism. And when I couldn't play, it wasn't necessarily that I couldn't be in the NFL anymore or I couldn't make money or pursue this childhood dream. For me, is I didn't have this space to cope. So now my question was, how are you going to get through life now? Yes. And that's a difficult task for a young man like myself and, and just other people when you've learned how to cope through school. Like you see this a lot with people who are lifetime students. They finish one degree, they go into another degree, you know, yeah. and they, they're always pursuing something scholastically. Uh, you see this with individuals who are looking for different tasks to achieve. You know, they achieve one thing. It's like, OK, what can I do next? Mm-hmm. All of these things become how we cope. Uh, whether it's someone using drugs. Okay, I got to roll a blunt every morning before I start my day. I'm, I'm coping. I got a drink every night I come home from work. I, I, it's, it's coping. And for me, it, mm. it, it, it was football. Wow. So you wanted to run full speed ahead at another human oh, yeah. being. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So to cope with what? Anger, rejection. Pain. Pain. And my pain was connected to those three things you just said. Rejection from my father, because when he divorced my mother, uh, I'm his only son. I carry his name. I'm named after my father. Uh, I don't use the name that he has. So there's a reason I go by Jay. I'm a okay. junior, but I go by Jay. And rejected mm-hmm. by him because everything I did was I wanted to be like my dad. He's a pastor. I wanted to be a singer. He, he you know, he sung. Um, he was a, a a heck of a football player. So everything he did, I wanted to do. So the more I tried to show him I wanted to be like him, the more he pushed me away. Mm-hmm. The more. And so and, and to give more context, my father divorced my mother for a lady that sat behind her in church and she had three kids. <laughs> So I, want to, so I want y'all to hear this. It, she was an usher in the church. He divorced my mother and married her and she had three kids. So I want you to ma- imagine watching this man preach every Sunday, seeing this lady, how you doing, Miss such and such. And all of a sudden he comes to us one day, brings us together. Me and your mother getting a divorce. Year and a half later, me and Miss such and such are getting married. Imagine a 13 year old trying to process that and you're trying to process okay you left not only did you leave my mother and myself and my two sisters but you're marrying her and now you're going to become a father to these three kids there was no way i could process that michelle yeah so for me the anger turned to rage and the only way that i can allow this rage to really have a playground was on the football field because I can put this helmet on and I can be whoever I want. 
Come and on. I'll never forget, I would never forget this. This was like my sophomore year. And I'm playing defense and I hit this guy and the coach asked me, he says, what's going through your mind when you're on the other side of the field? I said, I see my dad's face on all of these guys. Uh, was this high school or college? This is high school. Because they, they would say to me, they said, when you get on the field, like it, it's, it's like you're a different person. And I said, I'm angry. And I started crying. And I said to him, mm. if you could imagine the pain I feel from being named after your father, grabbing onto his leg, you know, uh, um, as a young kid mm. and wanting to be like him and him not calling you back, him not, you know, picking me up and, you know, uh, uh, sitting. I remember waiting on the steps for, for my father to come and get me all of these memories. Yes. And my mother remarried, you know, when she moved us from Mississippi to Texas and she she married this guy. and. This guy was very controlled and he was very manipulative, but this guy became uh, very physically abusive to me. And, you know, and, and so this is something that I, I actually, we actually have a documentary coming out uh, in February on, on OWN and the Disney Channel where I talk about in detail what it was like to go okay. through this abuse. Yes. And it was one of those things where, Football was the only place that not only I felt safe, but the only place where I felt that I can get revenge because I couldn't beat this guy up. So I'm, I'm getting physically abused by him while also dealing with the emotional pain of my father. Mm. So men, you're seeing this from men. I don't want to. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll save this question for later. Go ahead. Sorry. No. <laughs> well, how does how did it affect? how you saw men and authority? Well, one of the things I would say, how it affected me, how I saw men and authority was that I saw a man who abused his authority, my, my stepfather. Mm. And one of the things was I began to really see a man who really didn't have any regards toward children. Right. And any regards toward what this was doing to me as a young boy, because when I would go to practice, these men would sort of rally around me, support me. And these were men that didn't look like me. So it was hard for me to comprehend why these white men kind of pushing me, encouraging me, supporting me, making mm -hmm. sure I go to class. But I go home. This man is trying to break me. You know, I remember him telling me, you know, you playing football, you're out here trying to you playing this white man game. And and I'm like, man, I'm playing ball because I'm trying to get a scholarship so I can go to college. And but he was so negative. I mean, everything that I ever said, like I was getting letters from colleges mm -hmm. and I would say, man, I got a letter from this college. And I mean, he would have something negative to say. And, and I couldn't comprehend that. So I began to hate. Not black men, but I began to hate men who resemble what he had and what he had shown me. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, wait a minute, bro. This, this can't be love. This can't be because what was confusing to me. Okay, you're 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 married to my mother, but you're trying to break her son. I, I couldn't understand that. And I remember asking him that one day. I said, why are you trying to break me? And that's when I realized it wasn't until I, I grew older 
that any man that has not been loved, he only knows how to break things. Any man who does not know how to love or know love will only can break things. He can only break things. Because see, love has the ability and the power to mend things. Had he been loved properly, he would have saw a young boy broken. He would have saw a young boy looking for belonging, looking for identity. And when you are loved well, you can mend things. Come on. You can put things, love puts things back together, right? Love, love helps things recalibrate. Love helps things find themselves, locate, as the word we use in the uh, therapeutic field. And this guy, and I said, man, this is, and, and it wasn't until I remember being 15 years old and we went to visit his family, you know, and, and I did not want to go. My mom said, oh, we got to go. We're going to visit his family. And I said, mama, I do not want to go visit this man's family because I can only imagine what the members of his family were like because of how he treated me. Yeah. And what I realized, Michelle, is when I, at 15 years old, I was able to conceptualize that everybody in that family was toxic. Everybody in that family was mean. Everybody in that family mm-hmm. was dismissive and they were dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. So his behavior toward me was no different than the behavior that his mom showed toward him. So she only saw the boys in her family as failures. So how could you see me being a young black boy who has a promising mm. career, who's athletic, who's smart. How could you even encourage him when I saw his mom who didn't engage with them well? And then you wonder, as you peel the onion back, okay, well, what happened to her? Exactly. <laughs> what were the men like in her life? What was her mom like? You just keep going back and you do find, uh, not that it's an excuse, but generations before us, we were strong and we got through a lot, but we were jacked up emotionally, mentally, yeah, spiritually, yeah. abused in every way. Yeah, yeah. And then we go and bear children in the midst of it all. Right, yeah, yeah. Because what we don't realize is the same as health issues are passed down generationally and through DNA and hereditary, uh, heredity, mm-hmm. uh, the same as trauma, the same as the brokenness of how we communicate, the brokenness of how we engage with one another, the brokenness and how we see one another. Because so many times broken families don't see each other as family members. They only see each other as part of this system where I have to deal with you. So I don't see my brother. I see somebody who's doing better than me. So therefore I have this malice or this envy or this jealousy or this bitterness that I've allowed to conjure up within me Mm. because I didn't do what I needed to do to be as successful. This is why we see you hear this a lot in black families, right? If someone is doing well and someone looks like they're going to, you know, progress in life. Don't forget about the small people, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. those things. You know, don't get too big for yourself. You don't forget where you came from, you know, or you see somebody who's wanting to do more and wanting more. Who do you think you are? You think you're better than us. 
all of these things are toxic. All these things are very debilitating to one's identity and to the confidence because here's what has happened. We've been broken so much culturally as a people that we don't even know what it's like to be mended together in oneness and unison to even have a cohesive family dynamic. Yeah. So to even see people get it alone is sometimes, eh, <laughs> I'm ain't right with that picture. Come on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey everyone, I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with a Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with the Black Effect Podcast Network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. So to see people getting along, to see other people healed, we project the messiness going on in our lives. We're like, yeah, that don't look right. They, some, some up with them. It's like, no, either they've done the work or maybe they don't have the testimony that we have of trauma. So of course they're not going to act the way we act, respond the way we act, maneuver the way we maneuver. So to say all of that, you chose to become a marriage and family therapist. So I'm assuming yeah. that's why you chose that practice because. Yeah, I chose this practice because when I first. Our specialty. Entered, 
right? Yeah, the, yeah, this specialty. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, when, when I first chose this 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 lane to enter into, uh, I, I was very aware that there were not very many black males in this space. Uh, when you look at uh, the LMFT and the LPC, which is you have a marriage and family therapist, you have uh, 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 counselors, you have you know psychiatrists, you have different you you have different specialties. Mm-hmm. But for me, I wanted to have an understanding of my own family dynamic. I wanted to have an understanding of the family system. Uh, one of the mm. things that we did first when I entered into the field, we did a genogram, and this genogram yep. is you study your grandparents. And so I began to look at my grandparents and I began to look at my grandfather and began to look at how was he with his children, which connected me to why my father handled me the way that he did. And and it wasn't until my aunt called me one day, I just did an interview in Atlanta uh, and my aunt called me and she says, nephew, can you call me, you know, uh, later on? I want to talk mm-hmm. to you about something. Mm. And so, and I'm sharing this story in the interview. This is after my first book. And she said to me, your dad is only doing to you what granddaddy did to him. So Whoa. I didn't, I didn't know that my father witnessed a lot of infidelity and a lot of different things that my grandfather did to my grandmother. And guess what? I witnessed the same thing. I, I I was with my father today, um, and, and, and again, and I'm sharing this because I, I really want people to really understand how so much of who we become is is affected by what we see. That's so what I, real. What I saw at five years old, my father was in the house with a lady having a glass of wine. And he comes to me, comes out of the back of the room. Don't tell your mother where we've been. That never left my head. Right. Oh, wow. So he was teaching you at a young age to be deceptive and lie. Exactly. And so with that, me and my mother has always had a a, a very unique and and very close relationship spiritually. You know, and uh, my mother, she said to me, she says, You don't have to tell me. I already know. And I said, well, he said, don't say nothing. And so and it wasn't until I walked in a room and she was crying Mm. and I asked her and I said, well, mom, why are you staying here? And she said to me, well, where would I go, Jay? Where am I going to go with three kids? I don't have a college education. Where am I going to go? So immediately, you know, at uh, age 10, I began praying for God to give my mother directions on the next step because. Even then, I had this understanding that this was not life, right? This was not healthy. This was not yeah. uh, an abundance. This, this this was not how it was how it was, was supposed to go. And for me, I think that my father knew that my mom and I had developed this bond, so he began to reject me, and so it was mm-hmm. no different than what his father did to him. And no matter what I did, you know, I can remember him not coming to games. There was always an excuse. And I can remember my grandfather doing the same thing to him. And one of the things that I've always feared, and, I, and I've even said to, to my dad uh, some years ago, is that my father ended up being the one that took care of my grandfather when he was dying. And I mm. said to him, I hope that the defining 
moment of our relationship does not happen when you're on your deathbed. Yes. And because that's many times in the family structure of blacks that we don't get the conversations. We don't get the apology. We don't get the context. We don't get the information. And so we have to live on with these unresolved, unprocessed, not talked about uh, uh, secrets, conversations that should have been had. And we're carrying around this weight. And for me, when I got into grad school and I realized, man, this is only going to change when I begin to heal myself through changing my perspective on life and not holding myself hostage to what my dad did. Yeah. Because that's what most of us do. The experience and the event and the encounter holds us hostage. So we become that. Mm. So So we become the abandonment. And we show up to the world, right, with our cover up. And our cover up is our defense mechanism, right? Our cover up is the job. Okay, I put my head in the books. I got the career. I got the job. Okay, I did everything. I got the marriage. I got the husband. I got the wife. I got the kids. But underneath the core of that, when you start to really, as you say, peel back that onion layer, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you realize that, yeah, you're successful and you got the job, but it was the abandonment that drove you to success. But no one can really connect with you because when someone gets close to you, you push them away. Push them away. Your responses are just out of character or feeling like, I would say probably like, I've unfortunately been in and out of relationships. And then the last relationship I was in, I was engaged and that ended. It's like, sometimes it's not until, like you said, you have it all, the career is going great, but it's like something that, it's going to take that right relationship, that right person. They might be the wrong person, but you know what I mean? That, that is this, because why did this not come up 10 years ago? Why right. just now in 2017, right. 2018? It's something right. that that person did or said. They reflect you. Something happened. So you can have it all. But I'm telling you, you could have been in five relationships. But it's probably that sixth or seventh relationship. It's going to come out. And when Absolutely. it comes out, it usually defiles the person that really loves you. Yeah. You've hurt them. You've abused them with your words or you physically, you threw something at them. You just became so angry. That person didn't know that all that was in you because you, and maybe you didn't know. And I'm going to be honest, Jay, it wasn't an, I didn't know. I didn't know where a lot of the hurt came from. I had an idea, but my geniogram, I didn't do one until 2018. And I've wow. had two other therapists prior to her. And she's the first one that did a geneogram on me. And so, yes, like you, I'm just echoing what you're saying about those who say, because I used to say, well, I did say, man, when I get out this house, I ain't ever coming back. When I get out this house, I'm going to make six figures. When I get out this house, back then, all I wanted, I wanted one of them coach wallets that you can slide in your back pocket and have the tassel no. hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> coach, okay, let's coach. And I just remember just 
layer after layer. Okay, once I do this, I can't wait till I do this. I can't wait till I get that. But that iceberg. And so the root of that was underneath because we see the tip of the iceberg, but it's underneath the water where that root goes really, really deep. Yeah, it goes really, really, really deep. And I'll also say when you how about I ask you this question? When you realized that when you did the geneogram, did did instant compassion for your dad come? I wouldn't say instant compassion, but I will say compassionately, compassion did follow later. Okay. Right. Because I think there's I mean, a not process. excusing him with yeah, the toxic stuff, but just like yeah, that's why he did it. Yeah. And, and what it did was, Michelle, it gave me a greater understanding of both my parents. Right. Because my mom, who was amazing or is an amazing woman of God. But and, and, and this is something that I even even shared with her. And I said, Mom, though your faith was strong in God, but you also operated in fear in life. Mm-hmm. Because. I can control my belief in God, but my fear doesn't allow me to control the outcome in my life. So good. So my faith is only centered around this box of this belief system that I have. He's going to come through when I need him. He may not come when you want him, but he may come right on time. So I hold to the, to the hinges of death. But I never really experienced the abundance yes. of life. And so when I broke that down to her, she was just like, and for me, because what it did was it caused me to live on the edge of just enough. That's Come what it on! did. Just enough and not more than enough. Exactly. It, it, because if we're really going to for those who are believers, and, and I've shared this on many platforms when I'm speaking about faith and spirituality or faith and theology mm-hmm. and, and faith in God is that to really understand what Jesus was talking about is that he came that we not just have life. And when he speaks about the abundance, it was the in the abundance of peace, the abundance of love. But what happened was the law only had people living in the realm of this is all I can do. And what God was, what Jesus was saying, I came so you can do more than what you're capable of doing. <laughs> so when you take what you do in the natural and you connect what I do in the super, which becomes the supernatural, there's a limit supply that once you begin to identify what is at the real root of the issues, there lies an abundance of stability within your emotions that lies in abundance and understanding how to communicate because in so many families like mine, well, this is how it always been. This is what it's going to be. But it takes one person to say, I know that's how it's always been, but what if there was another way? And for me, as I'm studying the, uh, my genealogram, I identify there is another way to change how we've been living and functioning because we were sold on this idea that this is who we had to become because of what we have come from and what we have Mm -hmm. come to 
And I remember one day we were homeless uh, when I was in college. And I remember me and my sister were sitting in the car. We're sitting in Sonic drive through uh, We don't have no money. All of our stuff, everything we own is in our car. And we're sitting there. Uh, we're here in, uh, in Texas. It's 104 Shame, that day. It's, my God. It's, 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 it's hot. <laughs> I, I ain't going to tell a joke because somebody probably be offended. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it was so hot. We, we had just enough money to get a Route 44 slush. And I remember uh, my young sister sitting in the back and my older sister sitting beside me and they're both crying. Mm. and they're saying, Jay, where are we going to go tonight? Because we were staying in different hotels and we will pack all our stuff up. And what I said to them, I said, it won't always be like this. And I said, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to change, but it won't always be like this. And I didn't understand. And I think it was something that I look back on now that was very forthcoming of the life that we are living now. Because what I wanted them to have an understanding that we didn't have to become our parents. Yeah. That's right. And we didn't have to become the decisions that they chose to make. Right. And so many of us as adults, we're living the outcomes of our parents' choices and decisions. And we are Mm -hmm. neglecting our own ability and power to choose different. It's like how many of, of us Y'all that are listening have said, well, this is what my daddy did. This is what my mom did. This is so I get you, you know, well, my mom and them didn't do that. So I, well, we, it's, it's, what do you mean? We, what do you mean I can make a thousand a week? What do you mean I can make 10,000 a month? We, come on, we live paycheck to paycheck. That's all that's foreign to me. Y'all are scammers when y'all, you know, people think you scamming if you think I can. One young lady in New Orleans, this is why. The resources are so important. Mm -hmm. She was a maid for hotels in New Orleans. Her mama was a maid. Her granny was a maid. Um, Actually, it was Shaka Khan that had some type of initiative. And so the young ladies were able to shadow other people or just get in the room, get into... um, Basically, what I'm trying to say, she almost was like, well, this is what my mom and grandmother did. That young lady up happened to apply for a job at City Hall and is working in City Hall. Now, that was about four or five years ago. Ain't no telling what she is now. But when you say, well, my mother is this and my dad is this or, or the entire family it's like, OK, I have no problem with you being a housekeeper. And I said, well, what? If, and I gave her this idea of. You can start your own commercial cleaning business and employ other women and then mentor them out of that. Because sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I get that. But don't feel like, well, if mom and them was that, I'm going to own it. That's that 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 can be the right. mindset. Exactly. You can own the cleaning business. Right. You know, um, and so but um, I am on the verge of tears. I don't want to be on the verge of tears, but I am just listening to your story. And what you've been able to do and how you felt that you're going to, as I'm just quote you, healing is a journey. Wholeness is the destination. Yeah. Healing is a journey. Wholeness is the destination. Thank you for 
sharing and being so transparent and there's a hint of vulnerability in there. I know you have a journal coming out just heal sis in 2022. Yes. yes. You've got just you can, heal. And, and, Go ahead. And, and, and um, this is, this is a big ax. You can contribute to that if you would like. I will. I will. I will. I don't hold oh. grudges for long. So, you know, <laughs> I'm over our Thanksgiving spat. But Christmas is coming. So, yes, I can do yeah. whatever you need of me. But I just wanted you guys to know the work that he's done. Um, letters to a young queen redefining their throne. Hello, king. Claim your throne. I told someone the other day, I said, if men could know who they are and what their purpose to be, there'd be more kings than clowns. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, man. Shots fired. Bow, bow, bow. No. But. <laughs> no, that's good. It, and, and this is no shade, but so I don't want, I'm so glad that you're doing this for the men to let them know, no, you don't have to stay as a product of your environment or daddy was a player. So, you know, it's just in me. No, 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 no. Heal, bro. As you say, just heal. Um, you also, uh, you have, so just heal since this February, 2022, just heal, bro is already out. That journal is out. Hello King and letters to a young queen. Healing is the new sexy. And then I added being the angry man, not so much. Being the angry woman, not so much. Healing is the new sexy. How do you think healing can begin? What was the first step that you did, that you took? Uh, Healing can only begin when you can acknowledge that you need healing. Well, what do people so, think is normal? How do you know that so, it's not normal? So, and, and for those who think that it's normal, and you're right, because what's, what doesn't make sense in one person's life makes perfect sense in someone else's life according to what's been normalized. And what I always uh, 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 present to a client is, what else have you been able to identify outside of your world where that can, where that serves you well. And one of the things is the only way that you're able to acknowledge what doesn't serve you well is to look at how you function. How do you engage with people? What, 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 what is the pattern of your relationship? What is the pattern of your family when there's an issue? Uh, can each, can you guys listen to one another? You know, do you allow each other to speak or are you over talking? Is there gaslighting? Oh, that didn't really happen. You know, all those different things. And I think for individuals, always look from the lens of how am I made to feel, whether you're on the giving in or you're on the receiving in. Mm -hmm. Because when you begin to look at your life from the scope of how you're made to feel, whether you're a giver or a receiver, It's the only way that you can make an assessment. And I think what we had to do when the pandemic hit is everybody had to make an assessment of their life. Everybody. You had to take inventory. Yes. You had to take inventory for decisions that you had not given thought to because you were now forced to look at what you decided to do, Mm -hmm. who you decided to be married to. Who you decided to have kids with. Hello. Ooh, who you decided. Your because, choice. 
Because what people realize during the pandemic, who I got married to is not who I'm living with. Well, I, <laughs> I got to put the Theragun on my shoulders. Ooh, I got that was tense. Oh my god! Y'all, did y'all hear? What, that's a that's go, That's got to be part two. Listen, who you I, got married to is not who you're living with. Oh God! Oh God! Don't y'all get quiet. It's okay. There's hope. I think. Yes, there's <laughs> there's hope. It, 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 and so in that, you have to lay out your life. What has your life looked like? You have to, as the scriptures say, you have to ex- examine. And that's what therapy allows you to do. It allows you to examine your life examine your life choices, examine the individuals that hold spaces in your life, the individuals that have caused pain. How do you view them? How do you view yourself? Because the pathology and the narratives that we have created are associated with the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. So what therapy does, it allows you to tell your story. And what we do from a clinical and therapeutic space is I hear your story and I reframe, not the story, but I reframe the dynamic of your story so you can see yourself outside of it. Yes. So going back to what you said earlier, that I don't have to become what I experience. You don't. Because what happened mm-hmm. is if, you're, if you don't heal, oftentimes it's your traumatic self. It's your maladaptive persona personality that mm-hmm. is responding and i mm-hmm. and I, I shared a post many times uh um, i think earlier this year that oftentimes it's not the individual it's the trauma that is that is responding yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um there was something um i i want to find it jerry flowers are you familiar with him a minister yeah, out of I, houston yeah i just talked to jerry last night you did omg yeah. so as a therapist, because he was talking real therapeutic, I said, hold up now. Yeah, yeah, Jared's powerful. He said, unlearning abuse also requires for you to unlearn the survival tactics you learned in abuse that you now call your personality. And it's just how I am. It's just how pain builds walls, healing builds doors. Yep. Yep. And a lot and- of us with these, with these, with our hearts broken, betrayal, abuse. We walls of self-protection and self-isolation versus doing the healing so that they can become doors. Now you have the power to set a boundary of who you're going to open yeah. the door to, how, how much you close it, how much you open it. Cause boundaries are essential too in healing. Yeah. It's a form of, yeah. Boundaries are a form of self-respect. Come on. And so if you don't have no boundaries, possibility check the level of self-respect. <laughs> I love how you also say healing is the real life hack. Yes. And when you start to do some of the healing, how much more successful you will be in life and relationships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you begin to see life from a different lens. You begin to see life from the perspective that it is not what people are doing to me. It's how I respond 
to what people do to me. Because again, I, I can't, and I told a client this once, I can't change how someone treat me, but I can change how I respond to the treatment that they're receiving. So for an example, and what I mean by that is, and I use this example to a lot of clients who are afraid to leave abusive relationships. Yeah, we might be getting free therapy right now. So come on, yeah. it's the only one you're going to get. So so I want everyone to imagine, and of course, Michelle and I can see each other. So I want everyone to imagine that, hold your hand up, and I want you to take a pen, and I want you to drive that pen into the palm of your hand. So here's what happened. Let me get my pen here. Uh, uh, okay. Uh. So I want you to take the pen. I'm going to use a mark. I can't find a pen. Take it and drive it into the palm of your hand. Here's what most people find themselves in. The person on the other end is pushing the pen into your hand, which symbolizes they are inflicting pain on yes. you. Yes. But most people can't take their hand from the pen because they're hoping this person recognize that they're hurting them. Oh my God. So what happened is I never removed my hand in hopes that they will see that they're hurting me. So the pain continues and the pain never stops. So what happened is after a while, it doesn't hurt because you learn what you just said. I learned to endure it and I learned to survive which is why most people associate love with pain. Yes. It's not love until I can tie some pain into it. And let me tell you, love is not pain. Love is freedom. Which means is that when I experience freedom, I am able to become, I am able to be the very best version of myself. And what's difficult for most people to do is remove their hand. All you got to do is remove, yeah. That's all you got to do is remove your hand. But it's hard because I'm hoping that, well, I, I hope he I hope he stops cheating on me. Well, I, I hope she sees that, you know, I'm doing good and, and I, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that she can have all the finer things on life. I hope that they see that I'm committed to this. And what happened is mm. that the person who's in causing the pain never sees that they're causing you pain. So going back to what you said earlier, how does healing start? Acknowledging that I'm in pain. Acknowledging that this doesn't feel good. Because it's very dangerous to find yourself in a space that doesn't feel good, but you told yourself that better is not available. Oh my God. And so you, you just learned. take and you just sit in it and and hope. But like you said, love does not hurt. And we've heard that before. We've could sound cliche or all that. Oh, that'd make a great song. Oh, I hope Drake raps about it. <laughs> you yeah. know, love is not supposed to hurt. Does love come with some challenges, maybe? Absolutely. So the difference between challenges versus hurt. Challenges always has the opportunity to have understanding and strategizing and a opportunity to communicate. Because if I'm up against a challenge, 
I'm now looking at, okay, how do I overcome this challenge? And to overcome the challenge, I got to talk about it. I got to strategize about it. I got to ponder on it. I got to process it. And that's how you're able to identify challenges. When you're in pain, you, you have to be careful to where you're not taking a hurt and someone who's repeatedly abusing you, someone who's repeatedly misusing you, repeatedly causing you inward pain, emotional pain, right? And it's 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 almost. And I'll say this, and I want to put this plug. This one of the a great books to read. I know we talk about the five love languages, right? But one of the books that I encourage a lot of my clients to read is the five languages of apologies. No one oh. talks about that book. The five languages of apologies. Now, y'all, while y'all are getting the five languages of apology, get and I'll tell you why. And I'll and I'll tell you why this book is so important. And I had to go through this, Michelle, in therapy. So I never liked apologies. And I want y'all to listen to this. So the therapist has a therapist. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Coach has a coach. Okay. And 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 if your therapist does not have a therapist, you might need to reconsider. Because again, you because life is still happening for me. And not because something is wrong, but because of what is it that I want to continue to grow in? Because every time you reach a new level, you want to reach new challenges. You want to reach new triggers because mm. there will be something that may pop up that you thought that was, you know, gone, gone. And, and I, I say triggers are nothing more than emotional landmines. You don't know it's a trigger till yep. you trigger. <laughs> so. So going back, so I didn't like apologies. So whenever I was in relationship and a girl would apologize, I, I would get, I, I, I just, I didn't like it. And, and it wasn't until I was in therapy and the therapist says, what is it about apologies that bothers you? I said, well, I saw my dad say sorry a lot to my mom, but nothing never changed. So the five languages apologies. What it does, it lays out how do you need to be apologized to. And that's very important because I'm a person where I'm sorry doesn't mean anything to me if there's no change of behavior. (laughs) Okay. Yep. Apologies must come with the change of behavior. That's good. Exactly. So what I never forget, I was in a relationship. I'm I'm telling a young lady this. And of course, you know, I'm, I'm different. And it's kind of like over her head, like, I don't get this. I said, I'm sorry. And I said, can I explain to you? Yes. I said, it's, I said, I appreciate that. I'm sorry. And so we ended up reading the book together and it gave her an understanding of how she needed to be apologized to. Okay. And what she realized was like, I said, for me is saying that, hey, I'm going to do better in this. That helps me. Because when I hear I'm sorry, I go back to my childhood. And for me, even if I apologize to somebody, I'm always thinking that I need to change this behavior because the apology means nothing. Because I saw my father over and over and over and over. My mom would say my mom was catching him in these different relationships. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I ain't going to do it no more. It's just this. It's not that. And and that taught me that. Sorry means nothing. So when I discovered the five languages of apology and when I was in therapy, and this is why I love therapy, because you get to discover why you are the way you are. And it doesn't mean anything bad. 
but it gives you a greater understanding yeah. of your own functionality as a human being. Because how can you help others understand you if you don't understand you? So that's why we will always be advocates of therapy. Yeah. And I think every relationship that you have, once you've been going to therapy consistently, either those relationships will improve or adjustments will have to be made. Absolutely. Hey, everyone. I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with a Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with a Black Effect podcast network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. For those who are listening, here's the thing, and, and especially for my black and brown brothers and sisters, therapy was the best thing that ever happened to me because I'll tell you what it's done. It's allowed me to not be so offended by people. It's allowed me to rest in my own state of peace that while the world can be falling apart around me, I am centered. My anxiety is in check, right? It's so good. That's right. My, my racy thoughts, you know, are in check. That if something is off, I can quickly identify, all right, who would you just talk to? 
because that's not your thought, Ooh, right? It's it, right. It, 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 it gives you a level of self-awareness. And that's what I want to give to people because black people think when you're going to therapy, you're crazy, something wrong. No, it's that if you get in a relationship with somebody, therapy allows you to have a conversation to where, hey, this is what I really have a desire for. And if that person can provide that, if they can't, guess what? I don't feel rejected. Mm-hmm. I don't feel no type of way because therapy allows me to be centered in that my vulnerability is just an access that you can get to know me and I can get to know you. And even if, because here's the thing, mm. vulnerability is always a risk. Always. It's always a risk. But guess what? I can lay down at my bed at night and go to sleep and say, hey, I put on the table what I wanted. Yep. And if you can't meet that, it's okay. So he's he didn't gave y'all what he done told y'all. <laughs> Not that he's probably looking. I, I don't know. I don't know. But he done put it out there. So come correct. And if you ain't in therapy, it's a possibility. So anyway, it's it, 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 ladies and gentlemen, get in therapy. We cannot okay. stress it enough. I um took a moment to look through your comments. Michelle, why are you looking through his comments? <laughs> but someone, when you talk about healing, some I think um it was on the post where you said healing is the real life hack. Um, a young lady said, the more I heal from the things. The more I heal from things, the less offended I feel. Mm-hmm. So you kind of, you know, pivoted us here to that word of offense. The more I heal from things, the less offended I feel. And the less I catch offense, the more at peace I am. And she, I don't know that you could, she must have gone through therapy to come with that revelation. She had to. She had to. The more I heal from things, the less offended I feel. The more people can even throw a little dart at you or say something smart or betrayal can happen. You're not going to be, you might be hurt, but the offense doesn't last so long because offense goes into the pits of our hearts. Bitterness sets in, resentment steps in, which depression and all of that kind of, you know, it begins to happen from the root of offense. Offense mm-hmm. is so tricky. Man, yeah. But that's and, another and, podcast. Offense yeah. is tricky because it's like entitlement issues come through yep. there. It's it's, 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 it's so and, layered. And it's you, so and layered. You know, and you know what it's rooted in? Most people who live in offense was either they were not seen or they were not heard as a child. Another gym, y'all. Another gym. Come on and get it. So if you're always in a state of offense, you were not seen or heard as a child. It's amazing because we, I know I grew up in the household of, um, I was very curious or I hated being accused of something that I didn't do, but I knew how to say it in an articulate kind of way. And I would always be shut down. So that is, that's been a root of my, and now I have my own podcast so I can talk all day if I want to. No, but yeah. that thing of, not being heard has been a real thing for me because depending on the generation, 
it was if I'm trying to explain myself, you're accused of talking back. So every time you say something, you are literally physically shut down. So there are times where I just have a freeze response Mm -hmm. to confrontation because I wasn't allowed to articulate how I felt. So I'll just kind of freeze. But listen, it'll come out later. Yeah. I've said, I learned from my mama. We couldn't fight a man, but we could fight him with our words. Mm -hmm. And that part had to be healed and uprooted. You know, I, I I can't cut you with a knife. You you'll probably run faster. You the stronger, or, I'm, or I'm, I don't know karate, so you beat and took the knife out my hand before I could get to you. But I could cut you with my words, and a lot of that is trauma, abuse, and what we saw growing up. If you saw mm-hmm. Mama talking to her man like that, or Daddy talking to his woman yeah. like that, you thought that was okay, and it's not. Dysfun- it's dysfunctional, and um, I'll end that here by saying. What we saw growing up was not normal. I said it to you in New York at Charlemagne's mm-hmm. thing. Just because we survived it, survived dysfunction and abuse, it, it ain't normal. Right. Yeah, you're right. It is not normal. I am so thankful that you joined us today. Yeah. You gave yeah. us a complete hour of yeah. your time and gems. So I know, like I said, your jur- the journal Just Till Sis comes out in February 2022, but you also said there's a, a documentary or something that's yeah. coming so, out. What do yeah, we look so, for? So look for the documentary uh, in February on OWN and the Disney Channel. And so uh, it will share my story and journey along with three other amazing Black brothers. Uh, and and, and, and it's, it's really going to be powerful. It's, it's, it's life-changing. Amazing. And I think it's 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 going to tell our stories in depth how we got to where we are. But I think what it's going to do is is really prompt black men and men of color to understand that their healing is so critical to our community and to uh, this nation. Because I truly believe when men, when black men begin to heal, it will heal our families. Mm. And when we see families heal. That's going to heal our communities. Because when I look around at a lot of and 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 I would say this, we are making strides. I, I'm seeing more black men now than I ever have in my practice. And it's a blessing uh, to be able to hold space for them um, to where they can feel seen. They can feel heard um, and, and they cannot feel judged by the things that they're sharing. But it, it's, it's just really amazing because I know being a, a, a athlete. You know, black men uh, are only viewed as just, you know, these these specimens of entertainment. Right. Uh, yep. and, 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 and just, you know, just to jump and run and rap or sing and do all those different things. But, you know, I get to see who these brothers are as human beings. But also, and I want to end with this. As black men heal, we can take the journey with our black women. Because black women, uh, and I told my mother this, I said, black women have been carrying us for many, many, many decades. And and I know that it's tiresome and exhausting. Mm-hmm. And to take that weight on the shoulder, you get into a marriage and, you know, you, you've done all these things to, to kind of position yourself for success. And you meet a guy, he's good, but then he's got all these different things that are traumatizing and these things that he hasn't dealt with, it affects the marriage and it affects the relationship. Yeah. And so I think it's time for us to begin to heal each other. And that's why I wanted to write Just Heal Sis, because I want to create spaces where we can come together and begin having these conversations 
on how we heal together so we can change how we view one another. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Just Heal Sis comes out February 2022. Just Heal Bro is already out. King J. Barnett, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. I appreciate you more than you know, and I'm excited for you. I prayerfully, I don't know, like seeing hubs um, with you in like the sports and entertainment field, just hubs on movie set, hubs in sports places where you're conducting um, therapy sessions for people to heal and um, be great. So, all right. Yeah, I'll see absolutely. you later. Yes, absolutely. And then I'll be reaching out to you because I most definitely want you to, to contribute to Jess Hill says so you, you got it. Drop, so something for uh, the ladies, I'll, I'll truly appreciate that. You got it. Grudge oh, is dismissed. Yeah. I'm holding grudge. I'm healing. <laughs> I'm healing. I know. For Thanksgiving, I, know. I had Japanese yeah. fried chicken. It was tempura fried chicken. That was the closest I was going to get to anything oh. good on Thanksgiving, but I'm healed. Oh my gosh. I'm healed. Well, hopefully you get some you hopefully you get some food for uh, for Christmas then. I I think so. I will. I will. Yeah. Much love yeah. to you. Thank yeah. you again for checking in. Yes, you're welcome. Checking in with Michelle Williams is a production of iHeartRadio and the Black Effect. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules 
a day. Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease.